For the last couple of weeks, you've heard Richard Stamen, a.k.a. Mr. Mavs Draft. You heard him talk about the NBA and the rookies. But now, let's pick his brain on who is standing out in college basketball. Stay tuned. Big Big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. I am Rafael Barlow, your host and director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. And my co-host for the day is Mr. Mavs Draft. If you're on Twitter and you're on NBA Twitter, NBA Draft Twitter, you know Richard Stamen, Mr. Mavs Draft, because he is one of the biggest stars in draft Twitter because he's always posting clips and content. And as of today, the Dallas Mavericks have a first round pick. <laughs> so I think it's top 10 protected. So as of today, the Dallas Mavericks have a first round pick and it would be a lottery pick. So I'm just going to come right out with it. Based off of what you see right now, who would be the guy that you would target for the Dallas Mavericks, who makes sense for the Mavs? Uh, you know, Victor Wembanyama would solve literally everything. But you could also say that about all 29 other teams as a cheat answer. If they did end up in that spot, though, I mean, take advantage of the fact that Cam Whitmore hasn't played. Put him as a wing that can create a little bit, uh, put the ball on the floor, and also spot up, defend. Makes moving on potentially even for like Reggie Bullock pretty easy. All right, so let's just this first segment, let's go half. Mavs half NBA draft. What, in your opinion, is the issue with Dallas? I mean, outside of the fact that Reggie Bullock hasn't started the season yet and Hardaway is struggling shooting, is that the main issue? Or are there other issues that, you know, unless you're paying close attention to the Mavs, you, you haven't, that haven't really been public? I mean, would you say anything has clicked with this team? Because I personally wouldn't. Like, I think it, it's such a simple storyline, but like, that's for me, it, well, I feel like they're getting open looks. I feel like Luca is creating a ton of open looks. The guys just aren't making them. There was a game that I was at, I think it was the Portland game last week or a week or so before, where they couldn't make a single shot and they got tons of open looks. And then in like late in the fourth quarter, maybe like the last two minutes, they hit every single shot. But I'm thinking that if Hardaway and Bullock can shoot 36% from three. I don't, I don't even know the numbers off the top of my head. But if they can be league average or 38 or even shoot close to what they're capable of, I think the wins and losses are, are totally different. They're definitely, I think they're like 500 right now. I think that is the biggest difference. But I had this conversation with my brother and he was saying that, you know, like you look at the Warriors, for example, and if you look at the Celtics, they don't have a bunch of three and D guys. They have guys or wings that can create their own shot. And the Mavericks have a bunch of three and D guys, or if they're not great defenders, three, three, and that's it. And if they're not making shots, they're not really contributing. So who, in your opinion, that could be in this lottery range could fit the mode of being able to be a complimentary piece to Luca? Yeah, I, I don't know if he doesn't count as a wing, but I mean, the first name that always comes to mind is like Keontae George would really be intriguing. Uh, also, he's from Dallas. That's also a big plus. Would that be so overlapping with Hardy? Yeah, a little bit. But I mean, if you're picking between Hardy and Keontae George, I think given 
where they would be drafted. I think one gets priority, honestly. Like, let's see what Hardy does, obviously, before jumping to that conclusion. But I think Keontae would personally get more reign, more just freedom than than Jaden Hardy. Also, because I think Keontae George is probably more polished, both on the defensive end and as a passer. I think that puts him over the top, even though those aren't like, you know, pure strengths or anything. He's just better at both. Yeah, I think they're very similar. And I mean, still for the life of me, maybe it's the efficiency part of it. Don't understand why Hardy fell so low. While I think if Keontae has the same efficiency at Baylor, I don't think he falls to the 30s. So it's it's kind yeah. of, it's, it's, it's very tricky to figure out why a guy can not shoot well, I mean, Patrick Baldwin, and why a guy can end up still being a first round pick. I mean, Ball was not even shooting well in the G League, but, you know, I don't, so it's, you know, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Is there anybody else that you think would be like a decent fit? What about some of the, the like fours? Like, I feel like in that lottery range, there's a bunch of guys that are like hybrid three fours or hybrid four fives. Do you think any of them would make sense? Yeah, there's a few guys. I mean, Dariq Whitehead's had a slow start. He's not one of the three fours, but he's like more two, three. I think he'd make sense. Uh, Grady Dick, uh, I think he's somebody who, I mean, his shooting alone just fits. You also have, I, I don't know where, like it's so early. I don't think it really matters where they're projected, but two guys who I really like uh, that would also fit. They're both in the SEC, Gigi Jackson. Uh, granted, he's far away. I don't know if he would fit what the Mavs want in terms of a prospect. They probably want someone who contribute, can contribute a little bit better um, earlier but also Julian Phillips has been really impressive to me I think he's somebody who I would like there I mean he's long he's six seven can play pretty much two through four uh, I believe I think that would be big for him for the Mavs yeah but both of those guys seem like they are ways of away from yeah, being long. able to contribute I think the Mavs are in a situation where Luca was too good too early and so they never were able to get this second lottery pick and after making it to the conference finals you you'd hope they'd be able to find some win now guys and how much time do they are, are fans going to be patient enough for guys to develop I me mean, you, you look at josh green for example he'll he'll never i mean i guess the Mavs will never be forgiven for drafting him over desmond bain and and tyrese maxing but this is year three for him i think it's year three and he's coming along slowly, but Mavs fans were not patient with Josh Green. And so some of these guys are really just as raw as, as Josh Green in a sense. What has been your thought on Jairus Walker? I haven't paid a super close attention to him. I saw him the first couple games and then I was like, all right, I'm going to check back. And then I got lazy and didn't. But um, I saw a lot of Terrence Arsenault and focused more on him, I think, than Jairus Walker. With Walker, I, I want to see the shot just be consistent. That was just my main takeaway early on. I think that would unlock a lot for him. All right, what are your thoughts on Brandon Miller so far? W would you like him if he ends up, because he's <clears throat> such a divisive prospect, man. He can go three or he can go 14. <laughs> and if the Mavs stay in this lottery range, which I'm sure people in Dallas <laughs> don't want, how do you think that fit would be? Yeah, I mean, from the couple of players I've talked to that have played against him, like, I mean, they they speak really highly of him, and I think that matters. We saw a lot of that, I mean, it mattered, like, with Jaden Hardy, I think, too, where a lot of players in the G League spoke highly of him, and um, there's a lot of hope with him. 
I think Brandon Miller, you know, he gets a little bit of a bad rap because I've started seeing people compare him to like this year's Jabari. They're not like one-to-one. I, I personally don't like that comparison at all, so especially because Brandon Miller can create his own shot. And they're like, oh, well, they're both a little bit stiff going up at the rim and, you know, just in general kind of stiff. I would still take Brandon Miller in the lottery. I love him on the Mavs. Yeah, I just wonder if he can sustain the crazy shooting. Like he had the the game against North Carolina where he came back to earth a little bit. But the first, what, six games, he was shooting over 50% from three on a good volume of attempts. It wasn't like he was going one of two every game. It was three for six or four for eight. or So he was, I mean, he was knocking them down. And, and Jabari was, I want to say until like January, Jabari was around 46, 47% from three. So I guess I could see the similarities in a sense, but I don't think they play a lot. A player like I just I wish Miller got to the rim a little bit more. Yeah, I mean that, I and mean, that's I think why people say Jabari Smith is like a it's who they always refer back to because we said that exact same thing last year. The only time Jabari Smith was going to the rim was if he got his man up in the air and maybe there was like a smaller center at the rim. I mean, I just remember that UConn game where he threw down the monster dunk, and same thing with Miami in the NCAA tournament. But other than that, you really didn't see him go to the rim. Um, again, though, I don't think it's a fair comparison, but. That is something you want to see him work on, work on for sure. Yeah, I think Miller has the potential and the tools to be a three-level scorer. He was a really good mid-range scorer in high school and the prep levels, and now he's really not shooting any mid-range shots. But he's really struggling at the rim. But he's also older than Jabari right now. <laughs> so even though he's like a class younger, he's he's older than Jabari right now. All right, when we return... I just uh, give a, a Richard an opportunity to talk about a few other players that he's really liked so far, but let's talk about Toro because Toro is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Toro, you can book any car you want, wherever you want, from a community of local hosts. You can browse a huge selection of vehicles, pretty much for any occasion or budget. And you can book Toro in the U.S., United Kingdom, Canada, and Australia. If you want a spacious SUV or a minivan for a road trip, you can find it on Toro. If you want a classic or a luxury car for a special event, birthday, or holiday, you can find it on Toro. Or if you just need an economy car to get from point A to point B, they have those on Toro also. You can test drive that new electric vehicle that you had your eye on, and you can see if it fits your everyday life, or see if you are responsible enough to keep it plugged up. And many Toro hosts even deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms and conditions and exclusions apply. So forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Toro.com. All right, once again, you are listening to the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, and this is your host, Rafael Barlow. And thank you for making the Locked On NBA Podcast your first listen of the day. Now, for your second listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only Locked On can provide. Locked on Sports Today. It is available on this app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. All right. Richard Stamen, Mr. Mavs Draft, is my co-host for today. Just off the top of your head, what players have stood out to you and have impressed you so far with their play? Yeah, for me, it starts with somebody. And, and if you've been following me on Twitter for the last year, this this probably won't come as a surprise. But I really, really have been impressed with Trace Jackson Davis. Uh, he's somebody who I think is just going to have a really good NBA role, whether it's off the bench or starting. He's athletic, dives to the rim with 
with the best of them, can play defense, and he's got a little bit of a knack for passing enough to say, you know, he's not like careless with the ball. Uh, he actually can see through passing lanes and things like that and find cutters really well. I've been impressed with him. He's shooting 76% from the rim. He looks like he's going to be a contender for, for player of the year. I think he's worth a first round pick. You know what? I had no idea you were going to say that. I was going to say he's talking about Isaiah Wong or Mike Miles. I thought those were the two guys. So you, you surprised me with, with that. Yeah. Trace has been good, man. I mean, it's almost like you expected him to dominate college basketball, right? The one thing that I wanted to see this year was, are you going to be able to score outside of the paint? Like he just, I mean, he does all of his damage in the paint. I wanted to see, all right, is he going to be able to knock down short corner jumpers, maybe jumpers from the elbow? I didn't expect him to be like a floor spacer, but I wanted to see if he could be a little bit more of a, I mean, just not so reluctant to shoot. To me, he's very similar to Drew Timmy in a sense. Not saying that they're the same player, but they're guys that there's probably over 100 games of film to watch and evaluate. You know who they are. You know what they do. You know that they're going to dominate college basketball. The question is, especially in today's NBA, like if you are, I mean, Jackson Davis is a better defender than Timmy, but it's like, what is your role as a, a four man or even an undersized five if you're not like a defensive anchor or a floor spacer? And so I think Jackson Davis is going to be one of the more interesting guys on, on draft day because somebody may like him in the late first round. And then I wouldn't be stunned to see him fall like mid second round just because he's such an acquired taste. But as far as like production, I mean, if college basketball was all about production, he'd be a top 10 pick because you're not going to find too many guys that are more productive and dominant. And one of the stats about him that was very interesting last year was that when you watch him play, he doesn't blow you away as being like this great athlete, but he was ranked in the top 10 in dunks last year. And he's a good finisher around the rim and he gets a fair share of dunks. Just may not be like, you know, you're, you're Dylan Mitchell or, or, or you know, these super high flyers, but I, I think, you know, he's, he's a really good athlete, just a little bit underrated. Yeah. I mean, he's explosive. It, it's not necessarily the highest vertical, but I think he's super explosive and uh, you know, it's almost rare. I feel like to find uh, players who take just zero threes and have actually and play real minutes. Um, I actually have the the query here pulled the query here pulled up and for this year players that I just put like 100 minutes um, there's been a good amount of players who who haven't taken a three like it is honestly kind of ridiculous um, to see that there's less than like if you put zero field goals 100 minutes there's only like 16 it's more than I thought it would be but some of the names like Montrez Harrell is somebody who I think could be a little bit similar. The difference is he has that face-up jumper, Mitchell Robinson. Um, it's a lot of traditional centers, Yaka Pirtle, things like that. But So it's not super uncommon that he can't space the floor, but the thing is all those other guys, they have at least something like a mid-range game. So he's going to have to add that. Yeah, and that's that was kind of like my question coming into the season. That's like should have, at least my opinion, should have been his main focus all offseason face-up game, mid-range game. And maybe he has it and he just hasn't been able to show it because, you know, maybe it, college basketball isn't always about developing a guy and, and 
putting him in the best position for the NBA role. It's all about winning. And so maybe he does have it. I think even like with, with Drew, Drew Timmy, for example, you were at the gym, you, you saw him play this summer. I've seen Drew shoot the ball well in like pickup games. And I know there's a huge difference between pickup games. And I saw Drew shoot the ball well at the combine. I think he's a better shooter than his numbers suggest, but it just doesn't really make sense for him to start shooting jumpers to improve his draft stock when his main focus should be on winning and dominating college basketball. In your opinion, do you think that could be the case with Jackson Davis? Do you think he may have a little bit of a face-up game and he just doesn't show it because he doesn't really need to show it in college basketball? I think, yet no, like no, but he has counters. Like his whole thing is, his quick first step gets him to the rim. Like it beats guys. Like even if it's 10 feet and in, he's still going to beat guys to the rim, to his spots. And I think that's his big advantage. Like for me, the way I look at it is like, if you took away like Dwight Powell, for example, if he had anything that resembled like a post game, I think, and took away even the minimal three point attempts that he has taken in his career and add defense, like you're getting a lot better of a player. And I think for me, that's where I see Trace Jackson Davis is somebody who he can use his athleticism 10 feet and in at a very high level and he's also going to play defense and he's going to just roll to the rim I, I think that's I'm just I'm sold on all of that translating do you think he's a first round pick I don't think he goes first round but I think he's going to be first round value like he's going to be a top 30 player from the draft so where would you have him in your mock draft in my mock draft I'd say late 30s just because I think it's really really hard to choose somebody who doesn't shoot and that, that's also a four-year senior who is 23 years old might even be 24 come start of the season I can't remember but you know it's not an easy combo to convince you know your owner and say hey this is the guy we need to take like Chris Duarte was probably the one exception of that you'll ever see and he was a guard so for a big man it's just not going to be easy that I would think on the flip side if I was a scout or GM I would tell my owner hey we're going to get the best value for him on this rookie deal so he's not going to spend his rookie deal developing. If he's ready to come in and contribute right away, we're going to get good production out of him for, I mean, a little bit of nothing, as opposed to if you take a younger guy that is raw, you're going to be paying him to develop him and you may not get any production. So I think it's, you, you can make an argument for, for selecting a, an experienced guy and, and, and have him in your, in your rotation. Who else has stood out to you? Yeah, so somebody else who I really like is uh, is a freshman. I, I hinted at him a minute ago at the, the beginning of the show, but Julian Phillips, I really like him. I know he's not shooting the three ball well at all. He's only made one in 11 attempts. But I think the free throws being good, where they are, he's shooting about 80%. Granted, it's only 36 attempts. Um, I think that's enough of a sign for me to say that three ball will come around. And being six seven, six eight, probably has a near seven foot wingspan. Just seemed to like I watched the USC game and everything that you would want to see from a freshman wing who hasn't figured it all out yet in terms of his his role and fit with his Tennessee roster. Everything looked good. I, I think the jump shot looks good. It's easy to project. He's a very good athlete. Feel for the game is strong. I think he just knew where to be on both ends. He had a notice for the ball. Needs to get stronger and add three-point consistency, but I think there's a lot of upside there. And he's somebody who I was very down on. I didn't understand why he was a top 15 recruit, all this stuff, but I've seen the light. Are you concerned? I mean, if the numbers in front of me are correct, 37% from the floor, less than 
He's like 0.91% from three. Are the numbers concerning at all? I mean, on paper, the 10 points, five rebounds is good, but are the shooting numbers don't, don't worry you at all? No, just because that free throws percentage, I mean, 36 attempts already through six games, and he's shooting a high percentage. Like, he's making his free throws. So I think that combined with the fact that he has good shooting form or at least passable shooting form makes me confident that's going to eventually we'll see an uptick. Like, if he goes three for three of his next threes, I mean, he's already doubling, maybe even tripling his three-point percentage. Yeah, the NBA draft is so different now. I mean, it's all about who can project upside, upside long-term, and he's definitely someone that is going to be a factor in the lottery discussions because, I mean, he the sky is the limit with his upside. All right, when we return, I have a few more questions for you. Next, I want to tell the audience about LinkedIn Jobs because these days, every new potential hire, it can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. And you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available, which is why you need to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. All you have to do is add the hashtag hiring to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are indeed hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. And it is why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs, it helps you find qualified candidates that you want to talk to and faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. That is linkedin.com slash locked on NBA to post your job for free terms and conditions apply once again thank you for making the locked on nba big board podcast your first listen of the day i'm your host rafael barlow and i have my co-host richard stamen and we're just going to spend this last segment talking about a few of the players that have caught his attention so you've mentioned julian phillips you mentioned trace jackson davis who's next yeah, I'm going to go a little bit, oh, actually a lot deeper than uh, just some top recruits and then an All-American. Uh, somebody that's, that's who I, I watched, <laughs> I watched uh, the UNLV versus Dayton game, and uh, I, I can't say his name. I know the nickname for him is Mongolian Mike. That's who I was looking for. Not who I came away the most impressed with. It was somebody who averaged three or two and a half points a game last year on 34% shooting that has come out guns blazing for UNLV. And I've been really impressed with, and that's Keyshawn Gilbert. I think he's emerged as a draft prospect. He's averaging 16 points a game, three assists, three rebounds, two steals, granted unbelievable, unsustainable shooting right now at 56% and 64% from three. But aside from that absurd production, I think it just shows what he's capable of doing in terms of like, he can have that big game every once in a while. I really like him as a combo guard at six, four. Yeah, man. The, the numbers are crazy. <laughs> 63% in seven games that, I mean, that's ridiculous numbers. Do you have a comparison for him? Not yet. Uh, through for just numbers through a small sample size. I mean, that reminds me of like Aaron Neesmith a couple of years ago, where 12 games shot like 54% from three or whatever it was. But no comparison just yet. Um, I, I think he's got long arms, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so I think he's got the length to play both guard spots. So just kind of a modern combo guard is who I, I see his role. What does he see his role being? Yeah, he's definitely made a, a name for himself. 
another one of these St. Louis scores. When I think of like guys from St. Louis right now, Caleb Love is the first guy that comes to mind. Like your your, your combo guard that that gets buckets. And uh, so yeah, Keyshawn Gilbert is is a name that you know you're probably leading the the bandwagon there because I really haven't seen many people <laughs> talk about him. Is there anybody else? Hey, well, before before I go into other people, shout out Jason Tatum from uh, from St. Louis, the the most the most well known. But you know, you couldn't get an entire show out of me without saying one of the guys. So I I'm gonna do it. You said it last segment, but uh, I've been impressed in the few games because he has been hurt. Mike Miles, I really do think like for the last couple of years, I've been saying really last year, I was like, it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen. He's gonna finally come into his own and uh, just become more efficient. That was always his whole thing. Like everything on the eye test, I think really passed what he needed. He got to his spots. He set up his teammates well. Shots just didn't fall one way or another, mostly on his own looks is what concerned me because he relied on a runner a little bit too much. But through only a handful of games, he's just looked really good. I think he's going to have better numbers this year. And, and might I remind you, he's the youngest junior in the entire draft. He just turned 20 years old, not even three months ago. So I really like him. Uh, I also say that as I'm wearing a TCU shirt, I just realized what I was doing. I saw the little crease up there, but I really do think Mike Miles is somebody you look for a Jalen Brunson of the draft. I'm all in on him being that. Yeah. Mike Miles is a junior and he's only a few months older than Brandon Miller. Like, that's absurd. That's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> and it just shows like the, and I had this conversation with my dad this weekend. I was at home and a friend of mine has a son that's pretty good. But his son is a sophomore in high school, and he's still 14. He doesn't turn 15 until January. So I was telling my dad and the kid's father, like, yes, he's good. But there are kids in eighth grade <laughs> that are his age. And those kids that are in eighth grade are giving themselves an opportunity to get bigger and stronger. So by the time they're sophomores, they're going to look more advanced. and you know, Mike was somebody that, I mean, he's been on the scene since he was like six years old and people forget that he is so young. If he, if his mom would have reclassified him back, he would have been dominant in high school. If he played high school basketball last year, like Brandon Miller did. And so even though it's, it's not necessarily a knock on Brandon Miller or whatever, it's just weird. The fact that we have a guy with three years of college experience and a guy that's just a freshman and they're just months apart. And it's just a, a difference in, I don't know, opinions, I guess. Cause some people just feel like reclassify, you get them better and it's not going to matter in NBA, but I've said it for a while. If you like the Thompson twins, you can't hold their age. You know, you can't hold Brandon's age against him and, and you like the Thompson twins. But I mean, like I said, or if you're Mike Miles, you're like, these guys are like my age <laughs> and I'm a junior. <laughs> if I were a freshman, if Mike Miles was a freshman, I think his stock would be higher. He, I, I think some people don't know this. He was teammates in AAU with Greg Brown and Cade Cunningham. Like him and Cade Cunningham are um, like, they're, they're they close played to together when they were like little kids. Like yeah. if you watch that Mike Miles YouTube video when he was, I don't know, he like may have been like eight. Yeah. If you watch it, Kay Cunningham is his teammate in that video. <laughs> so, yeah, Mike is extremely young. All right. Any concerns about the shooting? Like the overall field goal percentage is up. Again, small sample size. 
but the free throws and the three point percentage are, are are down. Yeah, for for the free throw percentage, I think I'm taking the two year sample. Um, but he absolutely does need to be making them. The good thing for him is that he's just fearless going to the rim. I mean, way different than the last few years. He would angle his body away from contact slightly after a few hits. This one, it's just the same. I'm going to keep going down your throat and I'm you're, and you know, I'm going to get those fouls one way or another. He does it on his eighth drive, his first drive, his 10th drive, whatever it is. That's how he's been playing, especially against Iowa. And, uh, and I think it was Clemson. I forget who they played. I uh, mean, or Cal, it was Cal uh, this weekend in the Emerald classic, but that's what I really like. I'm not too worried about the percentages. I think they'll even out. But the three-point percentage is up in the air because we haven't seen a high percentage from him yet, despite good form. Yeah. yeah, He has the body and the strength to just be a punishing downhill driver. And it was always weird to me that he did kind of avoid contact a little bit because he's always been physically mature. And, I mean, there's not too many guards that are stronger. And, and the fact that he's young, right? So usually that's the thing. If If a guy is like, Super young for his class. The 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 body is the biggest concern. But he, I mean, he was already pretty strong, and so he he's definitely someone that can, like I said, be a punishing downhill downhill driver. Is there anybody else that has caught your eye? You know, it's. I mean, you post a the... lot of clips, so I'm pretty sure this is a long <laughs> list of guys that you had to narrow it down to. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's hard for me not to say a certain six three guard from Miami, so I I won't. I'm gonna go the whole whole episode with you saying him more than me but the last one for me is colby jones i really do like what he's done um i think he's somebody who he's six four so it doesn't jump out as a shooting guard but he's got really long arms if i'm not mistaken and i just i don't know what he doesn't do like he can pass he can dribble he can get to the rim he can shoot he can defend not necessarily any one of those at the highest level but he does do everything and look at the frame, all of that stuff. I, I'm interested. I'm really intrigued by him. Like I would spend a late first round draft pick on him, especially if I'm a team that has a second pick in the twenties. Yeah. He's steady. I mean, to me, that's like the best way to describe him steady. If there was one thing that he doesn't do, at least in my notes I had coming into the season was there were times where I felt like he was a reluctant shooter off the catch. Like if there was a catch and shoot opportunity, He'd prefer to to drive, which is, is, is on one hand, there's nothing wrong with that. But in the NBA, he could be in a situation where, like, if he plays for a team like the Mavs or or, or the Bucks or one of those teams, then he's going to have to be a little bit more confident on on shooting jumpers and the catch. But I mean, he has so many things that he does well. Like when I do my my notes on a player, I have like strengths, then I have areas of concern, and he is a guy that his strengths were like tripled for every area of concern that I had. I mean, he has the size now. Is he 6'4"? Like, I've seen him listed at 6'6". Six, six. I guess we'll find out at the combine. That's where I'm at, too, is I've seen 6'4", I've seen 6'5", and I've seen 6'6". Six, six. I just know he has long arms. Uh, I think that kind of is a testament to the fact that he definitely has long arms. If you're listed at three three heights, people just don't know. Like, And I, I think a lot of that does function from long arms. So, Yeah, he could like be one he could be one of these guys that if he is at the combine and he measures out at like six, three and a quarter, it could hurt. But if he measures out at six, six, then you're going to be like hearing that his, his name is rising up different boards, but I like him. I mean, I, I, in my notes, I had that he's good at attacking the closeout. He's more so of a guy that prefers to score off the dribble than catch and shoot opportunities, which is 
you know, nothing wrong with that. I thought he had like a nice, like finishing package around the rim. Um, I like that he can like kind of bully smaller players. Like if there's somebody on him that is a little bit weaker, that he takes advantage of that. He can pass. Um, he can score off movement plays. He can rebound. There's so many things that that I liked, and one of the main things that I think that helps him out as an NBA uh, prospect is that he he's a scorer, but he's unselfish. He can get his points kind of like in the flow of the offense. Doesn't really have these possessions where he's pounding the ball and he's trying to get his. And I think that really, really helps him out. And to me, like his greatest asset is that he takes good shots and he knows his game and he knows his strengths. And so I think that that really suits him well for being like a a role player. Well, man, as always, it's great chatting hoops with you. And uh, got got you back in your element talking college basketball. I know you've been talking NBA in the last few episodes. So we'll definitely have to get your opinion on the rookies coming up soon. But once again, thank you, the listener, for making this podcast a success, making it your first listen of the day. Now check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube. And wherever you get your podcast, I am Rafael Barlow with my co-host Richard Stamen, a.k.a. Mavs Draft. And do you want the Mavs to have a lottery pick this year? Uh, that's, that, that is how you upset Luka. Like, unless Luka's hurt, no. As much as, like, yes, no. There's too many elements to it. It's too long of an answer for the final portion of the show. But, I mean, like, you get rid of the trade, like, cloud over your head that you can finally trade some first-round picks. Just no. Mavs Twitter is really starting to get toxic right now. <laughs> and they have a game in a few hours against the Warriors <laughs> where if they fall to 9 and 11, then, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to get crazy. All right, man. Well, thanks again for, for, for coming on. We'll definitely have you on next week to talk NBA. I'm Rafael Barlow. He's Richard Stamen, and we are out.